welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Manuera. Well, I'm sure like many of you, these recent weeks, which have turned into months, have, have caused you and I to be thinking, what, what's going on? And I've begun to hear, as I'm sure that many of you have, a continuation of a cry. It's not new, but the cry for revival. And I just started to think through this and I want to share really a kind of a review that I've just been doing myself, just thinking through in many respects, my Christian life and that season of my Christian life. And what have I seen? What what patterns, what words, what, what's emerged? Because there is no doubt that there is a cry for revival. And what on earth are we asking for? I think of all the words that I've heard recently. The one that I really like is the reset word. Reset for me isn't saying everything's going to change. It's more saying, just like we do with our computers, it's not working very well. I need to reset it to start again. It's that brave moment, isn't it? Where you reset to factory settings and hope that you've got everything up in the cloud or in your hard drive. And so you reset to factory settings. I like that because it's not getting rid of. It's really saying, let's remove everything that is preventing things from working properly. And let's, as it were, go back to factory settings. Maybe that's what we need to do at such a time as this, at this unusual, strange, unprecedented moment. I would have to say, I do believe, though, that we are in some respects privileged to be alive at such a time as this. It Sure, it, it doesn't feel like it, does it? Uh, restrictions and things we can't do and things that we're being asked to do that perhaps we're not quite so happy about. But let me just say this. I believe that we are being given a biblical experience, a biblical experience because you cannot understand the Bible without understanding captivity, wanderings, journeys, imprisonment. You just can't. So much of our Bible comes out of those experiences and verses that we perhaps quote very freely and very easily. This is an opportunity for us perhaps to sense some of the reality, some of the pain, some of what those great men and women were experiencing in their imprisonment, their captivity, their journeying, their wandering, their waiting. And so here we are in our captivity imprisonment perhaps i certainly don't believe though it's persecution i think that 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 is something quite different it's tough yes so what have you been thinking of during this season i have forever loved the verse in esther 4:14 who knows if you have not attained royalty for such a time as this has what we have experienced in the last 30 or 40 years of the Christian church? Has it, has it got us ready for 
such a time as this. Revival. What on earth are we asking for? What are you asking for? Are you, are you signed up for the next leg of the journey? You know, I think that many of us have been praying for something and asked for something and we didn't expect it to come like this, but maybe something's happening. And I do believe it is an, a time to be encouraged, a time to be expectant, a time to be looking forward. So many of us have experienced internet church, haven't we? And it's wonderful what we can do. There's no doubt about that. It's highlighted what we can do, but it's also, I believe, highlighted what we miss the most. I was with someone last night and they said, well, if we can't sing and we can't hug and we can't lay hands, I'm not quite sure why we're meeting. I kind of get it. I, I really do. Uh, so I think we're being made aware of what we can do, the potential of this world, but we're also remembering what we perhaps value the most. And so perhaps it is reset time. Well, I'm going to risk this. I'm going to talk through, it's probably about 25 things. Don't worry. I'm not going to go into them in detail. What I want to do is I want to provoke you. I want to prod. I want to get you just thinking, okay, yeah, that's been a part of my experience. So, so where's that fit? What, what on earth? am I asking for when I ask for the next great awakening, for revival, for reformation, for, for an outpouring, for a refreshing? What on earth am I asking for? And so I, I just want to pro, probe, prod, provoke a little bit because I believe that it's revival time. And I believe that so many of these experiences, so many of these emphases that we've had it's time for us just to stop and review and go, right, where does that fit in the future? And let me start with this one. So many of you I know will have experienced in some way or another inner healing in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I trace some of it back to Derek Prince and the great work that he did with blessings and curses. I think also of, I think the first Father Heart book, The Father Heart of God by the great Floyd McClung. And we've seen such evolution, haven't we? We've seen uh, Sozos and Restoring the Foundation and Elijah House and Freedom in Christ. We've, we've seen and experienced so many opportunities to, as it were, sit in the counselor's chair or to read the book or to watch the video and go, OK, how am I doing on the inside? And I think that's a really, really important place for us to start. With everything that's going on around us, how are you doing on the inside? I think we've been prepared. I think we've been got ready for such a time as this. Uh, with a lot of what's going on at the moment, my first question is, how am I doing on the inside? If I do a quick inventory, how how's my heart? How am I functioning? Am I functioning out of the fruits of the Spirit? Am I manifesting self-control? There's so much pressure at the moment, isn't there, with what's going on? I've been watching, kind of appalled to be honest, it's like, where do we suddenly get the idea that when we get up from a beach or a park, we just leave all of our litter? Why has that become somehow a little bit more exacerbated in this time? 
I believe that this is a time for us to manifest and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, to, to exercise self-control. After all, you only need external government when there's a failure of internal government. Our inner healing journeys that have probably taken many, many forms. I think that this is a time for us to shine from the inside out. We've been got ready. And then, of course, and very much related to this, in fact, you cannot separate the two, but the teaching of the Father heart of God and the songs that we sing. Gosh, haven't we been got ready to really know the Father and, and his heart? I'll touch on it again, I know, with goodness. Uh, but, but the broader picture of this loving heavenly father who loves us who adores us who doesn't send stuff like this to teach us a lesson no he doesn't no it, it's not his nature but he's so good that whatever he touches he'll make it beautiful i think this is a great time as well just to do a quick recheck of how am i viewing the father how's my relationship with my heavenly father it's just a great time and and then the third one, of course, you, you know, these three all go together. They, they merge together, but it, it would be wrong for me not to separate them. And that's the whole issue of sonship, which again, so related to self-control and, and how we need this in our world today. We need sons and daughters who become mature men and women, who become healthy mothers and fathers, who walk with that strength on the inside. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 9, and the government will be upon the shoulders of a son. This world is crying out. It's the, it's the Malachi cry, isn't it? That he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. This isn't that curse. The curse, I believe, is fatherlessness and sonlessness, motherlessness and daughterlessness. What, what on earth are you crying for? I believe that part of what you're crying for is the true manifestation of people who have experienced inner healing. They've been healed up on the inside. They, they are connected to the beautiful father heart of God and not just singing songs. And they're walking as sons and daughters and not just, not just sons and daughters who can jump in daddy's lap. Yes, we all need that. But sons and daughters who are the mature men and women, the, the maturity that is talked about in Ephesians chapter four. I believe that those are three things that are linked to what we are crying for. And then we're, we're asking for revival, aren't we? What, what does that mean? I love the verse in Habakkuk, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Revival. I've had the privilege of reviving a man who was brought into intensive care, dead, flatline, asystole. And I was there when we revived him resuscitated him and all the life went back into him we need that what on earth are we asking for when we ask for revival i believe that we're asking for ones to tens to millions of people to come into a personal relationship with jesus christ his person his power his presence and his principles and linked to a word that i'll mention later i I love the definition that revival is when renewal goes viral because revival has to be about individuals. Revivals, it's not just a series of meetings. Revival is when 
millions, millions come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're asking for that, aren't we? Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Revive the very core, the very essence, that ABC of the gospel that the great Reinhard Bonnke talked about, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sin, that brings us into a right relationship with the Father, that promises us eternal life that starts right here, right now. Revive us. Revive us. We're asking for that, aren't we? But then we're asking for refreshing, that times of refreshing that's mentioned in Acts. We, we, we need that too. That We're asking for that. We're asking for refreshing. We're asking for that kind of refreshing. Some of you, I know it's it's been tiring and we need to be refreshed, don't we? We need that jump back in, we into the, the spring water of our Christian faith. We're asking for that, aren't we? The times of refreshing might come. I, I pray that that will be the case with you. That abandon. I went to Pensacola at, at its height. I was there in about 1997 and it, it was everything renewal it was it was revival there was something going on but there was refreshing you just felt refreshed by being there and i've been refreshed in a number of places in my life i believe that we're asking for that to be refreshed to to be freshened up like that shower at the end of a long plane flight that refreshes us. We're crying out for that, aren't we? Times of refreshing might come. And then we're asking, aren't we, for an outpouring? That outpouring that's talked about in Acts 2, 17, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We need an outpouring, don't we? I, I love that phrase, that outpouring phrase. It, it has that feeling of, hey, there's no control on, you know, we're not holding the jug and pouring it out gently. We're just tipping it up and outpouring. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Young men will dream dreams. Old men will see visions. Yes, we want an outpouring, an outpouring where we don't control it where the Holy Spirit comes, the flames of fire come. We speak in new tongues and everybody knows that something is happening. Yes, we're asking for that. And then renewal. I, I said I'd mention it. I love that. I love the definition. I love the link between review, renewal and revival. Uh, a great new definition for me of revival when renewal goes viral. I think it's what many of us experience with what happened in Toronto and spread across the world. But but we've experienced it in many places, that renewal. It, it's it's just a, a beautiful cry, isn't it? We, we want the personal renewal. It's linked to inner healing. It's linked to sonship. It's linked to the Father heart of God. It's linked to revival. It's linked to refreshing. It's that renewal. It's, it's walking out of a meeting and feeling like that new creation that Paul talked about, that we are new creations, but sometimes we get a little bit tired. Uh, our, our passion for Jesus gets a little faded. We, we need to find again our first love, renewal. What on earth are you asking for? I'm asking for refreshing, outpouring, renewal. And then perhaps a favorite word that's if I say crept in, I, I don't mean it in a in a funny way, but it, it's become a part of our language. That word, the presence, 
I love the sequence around songs and praise and worship. And I love that where we are now that we talk about experiencing the presence. What, what an incredible privilege that we get to experience the presence. I, I don't know what that means to you, but it's an incredible, incredible privilege that we get to experience the, the presence. I, I love where Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, it's not worth going. I think it's one of the things that we've perhaps missed a little. It's uh, it's wonderful what is beamed into our homes and, and worship. But there is something very precious about that corporate experience of the presence of God, not the fourth person of the Trinity as uh, as. Uh, I love Roland Baker. He said, hey, the presence isn't the fourth person of the Trinity. I, I love that. That's a, that's a helpful uh, description. But, you know, it's the presence of God, him showing up, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in our worship. As we worship him, as we meet together, we can feel him with us, his presence with us. I, I love the privilege that we have of of these days being in extended times of of worship one of my favorite things to do is to close those times it's a funny word uh, and i've it's caused me to ponder what's the purpose of worship is it is it to usher in the presence of god no i don't believe it is i i believe that sometimes we experience more of him but really the purpose is to usher in the presence of the people so that there is a moment when the people are present and god is present and anything is possible the presence what what on earth are we asking for we're asking for more experience of his presence i believe it's a significant change that we've experienced in these recent years and i love it we've also seen uh, uh, many schools of ministry around the world i of course, went to Reading to go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. What a great privilege that was for me. I never expected that I would end up on staff there. I never expected I would end up teaching in that very school that that I quit everything in England and traveled out there with my wife to experience. I do believe, though, that this is a very significant part of what God is doing in these days. You see, I, I've, I've always enjoyed home groups and life groups. It's been a part of my life. Uh, my whole Christian life, but I love now that there is this desire to be trained and equipped so that we can be sent out. If you've experienced or a part of a school of ministry, again, you see, we've been got ready, haven't we? This is what's happening. I, I'm just highlighting some things just to show what a great and privileged moment in time this is. And it's biblical. There were the, the schools that were mentioned, the school of the prophets in, in 1 Samuel. I encourage you, it, it just reflect on what you learn. Or if you haven't been, perhaps you, it's a great time to sign up, do something online. It's time to be trained and equipped, especially in the spiritual, in the supernatural. This isn't about being trained for career ministry. This is about being trained for life ministry the supernatural lifestyle and then i'm sure that you've been around a meeting where someone's talked about encounters i i love this word it's it's fascinating to me again it's become a part of our world it's we're looking for encounters 
isn't it incredible? We, we know that actually we were actually made to encounter God, made in his image. We we're made to encounter him. My favorite encounter is in Acts chapter nine. It's the encounter that Saul had, Saul of Tarsus, on the way to Damascus. He had an encounter. It was, I believe, the ultimate encounter. It was unexpected undeserved it was powerful it was emotional it was relational it was directional it was transformational and i'm sure like me you've had encounters in these recent years encounters that changed you encounters that imparted something to you in encounters that connected you relationally with the father the son and the holy spirit that great encounter that paul had who is it it's me that you've been persecuting and Paul's life was transformed completely and forever changed by that encounter. Encounters have become a part of our lives and our world. And I, I believe that we've needed them and we need to be pursuing them even more. Revival, what on earth are you asking for? I believe that you're asking for more experience of his presence. I, I believe that you're saying I'm willing to be trained and equipped. I believe that you're saying I want encounters that change me, that transform me. And transformation, transformation is the outcome, personal transformation. But more than that, it's another one of these words that we've seen so much more of. I love the work of Ed Silvoso and the incredible stories that he tells of entire communities that have been transformed. And that's what we're asking for. Transformation, personal transformation, congregational transformation, societal transformation, organizational transformation. The, the very scripture that says disciple nations is really saying transform nations. What on earth are you asking for? I believe you're asking for transformation. And then a word, it's not a biblical word, but it's a word that, that I think is, is a part of what we're asking for. I believe we're asking for a renaissance. The first renaissance centuries ago, marked by you know, beauty and architecture and music and paintings and actually musical instruments that were birthed out of it and, and scientific thoughts and ideas that were birthed but one of the tragedies is that that first renaissance resulted in secular humanism where man ended up saying look what we did without god we need a renaissance we need a renaissance i believe today that gives glory to god we need a, a new discovery of creativity and inventiveness that that is not just for solving the problems of this earth and haven't we been faced with and met the fragile nature of our earth of our planet even the fragility of the human race we need a renaissance a rediscovery of beauty and creativeness and inventiveness that solves the problems of this world and displays the beauty of our creation and gives the glory to God. I believe that there is a generation being raised up who will, who will bring in a renaissance, who will discover what is beautiful to them and will use it to bring glory to God. And just as it says in, in Psalm 27, one thing I ask that I may seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and there behold your beauty. I, I believe that there is a generation 
all of us alive at such a time as this and we're being invited to find what's beautiful to us and use it to bring glory to God. And then we've seen the teaching, this wonderful teaching of the seven mountains. If, if I'm being honest, if I may say, I, I prefer spheres. I, I'm not a great fan of the mountain picture, but I am a great fan of the, the overall principle of the spheres of society. Different names given, but uh, you know, one way of looking at it is, is finance, religion, and uh, family, and and government and arts and recreation, science and government, these spheres of society and this realization that Habakkuk 2.14 says the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. I, I love the church, but, but not all of of the kingdom is in the church, but all the church is in the kingdom. We, we've been sent, and I, I love this emphasis. I love that we're now saying there's no secular sacred divide. I, I love that we're saying we're all in ministry. The issue is not, you know, about ministry. It's where you get your paycheck and doctors and nurses and scientists, filmmakers, graphic designers, people running businesses, working in hotels and restaurants, cooking food and serving at our tables. The spheres of influence. What are you asking for? I believe that you're asking a revival, that you will find your place, that you will know your call to that sphere of influence to take your place. I, I love that teaching. I love too, and related to this is the, you know, the theme of social justice. To be honest, some years ago, I, I don't think we would have used this word in church the way we do today. It 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 had some slightly different meanings, but but it's ours. It belongs to us. Social justice does belong to us. And what we're seeing right now across the world, this cry for, for justice, justice, particularly for, for black people. This is such an important cry. We're all made in the image of God. The cry for justice is to say that every one of us should be treated as being made in the image of God and no people group should be treated as less than being made in the image of God. You know, God delights in justice. That's what it says in Jeremiah. It's not the justice of the criminal courts. It's not the justice of law enforcement. There's, there's a place for that. I, I could talk about that. But no, the cry for justice is, is about orphans needing fathers and widows needing friends and the lonely finding a family. It's a cry for all men to be treated as being made in the image of God, neither Jew nor Greek, in other words, neither black nor white, neither male nor female, neither slave nor free, in other words, neither rich nor poor. Social justice is a part of our world. What are you crying for? Revival, what are you asking for? I believe you're asking for an expression of social justice that rights wrongs and that everyone is able to know that they are made in the image of God and they are treated with the honor that is due to being made in the image of God. Oh, and, and manifestations, there's many places we could find those, but we've We've seen more, haven't we? we? We actually expect God to show up these days. If I lay hands on you, uh, there's an expectation that there will be a manifestation. And it's not to say that if there isn't, that you're not a, 
as significant a Christian or there's something wrong with you. No, but we have, haven't we, begun to expect that if the God of all creation flows through your body, something's going to happen. We saw that, of course, didn't we, with, with Toronto and now, now we expect it. It's, it's actually a part of a, a lot of what underpins what I'm talking about, which is change. Your job description and my job description is actually to bring change. And when God shows up and touches our body, we expect to be changed. Manifestations are an indication, a sign that something's going on, not the only one. And of course, it doesn't matter, as they, many people said during Toronto, it doesn't matter whether you fall down. It, it, the only thing that matters is whether you get back up. Different manifestations. Another word that that I believe we're asking for in this is, is an awakening. Of course, we've, we've had, we've seen awakenings, the, the great awakenings that we, we know from history. I've been reading Zechariah a lot just lately. Uh, Zechariah 4.1 talks about, and then the angel returned and aroused me as a man awakened from sleep. There's a wake-up call going on. I sense it. I sense two wake-ups, to be honest, in this season. I believe that we are being woken up to the needs of humanity, the fragile nature of life on earth. There's a wake-up. I believe that we are being woken up and shown, gosh, you can't do what you like, secularism. You can't go where you like, globalization. You can't say what you like, the kind of social media world we've got. You can't believe what you like, the fake news. There actually are some principles and some boundaries. And if mankind keeps on living with a do what you like, say what you like, go where you like, believe what you like, we might trip up. There's an awakening going on, an awakening to the needs of mankind. But at the same time, there's an awakening, which we see in Zechariah chapter four, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's a wake up call an awakening and i'm looking forward to that awakening that awakening which will touch and and embrace so many of the things which i've already mentioned yes an awakening and then we've seen haven't we the the wonderful rise of 24 7 prayer movements the the great book by pete greg red moon rising and uh, and the spin-off 24 7 prayer movements. I've been privileged to go to the prayer house in, in Augsburg in, in Germany uh, where, where Dr. Johannes Hartl has set up this incredible environment of 24-7 prayer. We, we've got what's happened in Kansas uh, City with, with IHOP there and again this movement, this desire for prayer. We, we need this, don't we? We've been, we've been woken up to what prayer really is, not just this list but this this entering into an intimate connection and relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Again, what, what on earth are we crying out for? Revival, revival, we're asking for this. We're asking that we will, we will gather and pray and we will worship and that we will expect God to step in and to speak to us and to answer our prayers. Uh, I love that in um, Exodus, it's, you know, the, the people are grumbling and God remembered his covenant. Uh, I think the 24-7 prayer is kind of entering into this relationship and daring to say, remember your covenant. Remember you said the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Revival, what on earth are we asking for? 
I think we're asking for more 24-7 prayer. And it's wonderful to see those that are called to that, finding a real sense of purpose and identity and calling in praying. Nightly meetings, you might think, oh, we, are we asking for that? Well, I think it's part of it. I, I really do. I, I don't think it's all of it. I, I've been privileged to be involved in some of those nightly meetings when there is a, a, a particular outpouring or a renewing or a refreshing or a reviving. Yes, I, I think it's, it's really important that we, we grab hold of moments when that's what we're meant to do for a season. But, but it's more than that. We're asking for those nightly meetings. I think they have a place, but we never want to just reduce it just to meetings, do we? Revival used to mean a series of meetings in some parts of the world. If somebody said, you know, I'm going to a revival, it meant they were going to a, a series of seven meetings. I, I, I'm not looking at a week of revival meetings uh, as being the, the kind of be all and end all. But I do believe that they are evidence of something that we are asking for. As I said, I, I was privileged to go to Pensacola and, and to go to Argentina and to be in those kind of nightly meetings and they are a wonderful wonderful experience but they're not they're not the end but i do believe that they are a part of what we are crying out for that god would visit us again that we would experience an outpouring an awakening that the desire for refreshing and renewal and we'd find ourselves in the room on our faces praying worshiping crying out to god being touched and experiencing and encountering him Oh, and then we've, you know, linked into that. We we would have the the stadium focus. I'm I'm really intrigued by this. I, I'm a little bit a part of it. I've been privileged to be in some meetings in recent years, and I I loved the stadium. I, I loved watching what was happening in Brazil earlier on this year with the send and those three stadiums packed out. I hear some people say, well, it's not about stadiums. No, I know it's not all about stadiums, but stadiums, again, are a part of it. I think they're an evidence of God doing something. I remember people talking about Billy Graham, that when Billy Graham went to be with the Lord, it was as if his mantle fell and kind of broke into lots of little pieces and, and pieces got given to to dozens and hundreds of people. I love that. I love that that hunger, that stirring. I, I love that there are people who are risking everything and renting large venues for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it all about stadiums? Is that the only way? No, it's not. But look at history. Go into any meeting these days of pastors or leaders and I'll guarantee you'll find men and women who found Jesus in a Billy Graham stadium meeting and look at the great effect that Reinhard Bonnke had in Africa of 79 million people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Stadiums have a place and they are a part of us accepting, I believe, the Great Commission. Preach the gospel. Another, another phrase that's become a part of our world so much more recently is apostolic. I really do believe that we are all called to be apostolic. It's interesting to me, and I can talk at great length, but, you know, the apostle's job is to equip the saints to be apostolic. And you and I, we're, we're apostolic. I'm not saying I'm an apostle. I'm saying I'm apostolic. Apostolic is a mindset and behaviors that is the result of coming under the influence of an apostle. 
And if you haven't found your apostle on earth yet, well, let me tell you, the first apostle's name is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 says that, which means if you do what he did, say what he says, go where he goes, believe what he believed, guess what? You become apostolic. And maybe you're waiting for someone to lay hands on you and to send you. Well, I have good news. Jesus has already done it. As the Father sent me, so I send you, says Jesus. And the word there is he's apostled us. It's He sent us not to be apostles, but to be apostolic. I, I love that the nature of the church is shifting. It's shifting from gathering first to sending first. Will we still gather? Oh, yeah, we will. But our assignment is that we're the sent ones. Just as the Father sent his Son, so the Son sends us. And the prophetic, I love the, the emphasis on the prophetic in, in my Christian lifetime, as it were. I love the power of the prophetic, the power of the prophetic to change your life with one word that comes from God. Oh, yeah, it needs to be tested. It needs to be in the context of of reading the word and hearing God for ourselves and having godly counsel and wisdom from fathers and mothers in our lives. But I, I love I love the prophetic bringing pulling tomorrow into today, just like really the apostolic is pulling heaven to earth. The prophetic is pulling tomorrow into today. And we've needed that emphasis in the church. The pastor, the evangelist and the teacher, in some respects, can do what they do without the prophetic and the apostolic. But when you mix the prophetic and the apostolic in, that's where the power steps in, the power to change lives, the power to change circumstances. And we need that today, don't we? We need that lens. We need that prophetic lens to see beyond this crisis. And we need that apostolic lens to to see heaven's assignment, to see what God can do in this moment that we find ourselves in. And then the supernatural. We need the supernatural, as I just quoted from Zechariah 4, not by might, not by power. In other words, not by human strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Nothing is impossible with God, the word of God says. We've been assigned to to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. We can't do that in the natural. We need the supernatural power of God. And I love that that has become a part of our lives, you and I. I believe are part of a supernatural generation. This is our moment. You know, I I had an experience with a man. I I ended up being in contact with him for 40 days. I never met him in the natural. I knew who he was and I was introduced to him. And the last 40 days of his life, I was connected to him. I, I prayed for him every day connected with him and and he went home to be with the Lord it was it was tragic but that man taught me something he taught me that I need to always have something impossible in front of me to develop me to grow my faith you don't need faith when you've seen it all you need faith when you haven't seen it when you can't see it And I love that the supernatural has become a part of our lives. I coined a new word recently. I called it the the extra normal. We need the extra normal in our lives. We need to be living, believing for that when the normal is changed because God shows up. 
And then perhaps one of the most favorite phrases of recent years is the goodness of God. And look at all the songs we sing about the goodness of God. He is good. Oh, this is so, so vital in this moment. What are you crying out for revival? I believe that a huge part of what you're crying for is that the world will taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He really is. He doesn't send cancer to teach people a lesson. He sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. He didn't send this virus to teach the earth a lesson. He sent Jesus and he sent us, I believe, to step into this moment in history. He touches things and changes them and makes them beautiful. He is good. And even in the midst of your darkest moment, it is so vital that you're able to see that he's good because if you don't, you will cut yourself off, honestly, from the only one who can speak into your moment, into your circumstances, out of his goodness. And he is good. And freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I love that we talk about freedom. It's so important. It's linked to sonship. It's linked to the apostolic. It's linked to us being truly the empowered ones. Oh, it's not about empowering reckless people. It's about empowering people who have the fruit of the spirit of self-control. But they're empowered. They're free. And I love that. Uh, this is so important. This is so vital for us all to understand and to experience the freedom, to be empowered. The assignment of mothers and fathers in the faith is to empower the sons and daughters to go further and wider and longer and deeper than they ever went themselves. I love the picture of Moses. He gets to the top of the mountain at the end of his life and God shows him the land that he won't go into. And Moses blesses the people to go in, to go further and higher and wider and deeper and longer. May your enemy fall before you. May heaven pour down dew upon you. Freedom. We're a culture of freedom. And lastly, of honor. These weren't really in any particular order, but this is linked to so many things. This is linked, of course, to social justice. But it's, it's so, so vital that we learn to honor. Do we learn to honor each other? One, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks of how we go from glory to glory. And that's what we all want, isn't it? And this is what we're crying out for, to go from glory to glory. How do you do that? You do it by honor, by recognizing the Christ in each other, by recognizing the anointing in each other. Honor. I've gone through a lot of things here. I've mentioned a lot of things. I think it's 25. It could be 50 probably. But all I want to do is to show you that what we're crying out for today, revival, what on earth are you asking for? I believe you're asking for a coming together of these themes, these experiences, these emphases that we have seen in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years of our Christian lives. And there's a coming together of them, of renewal, of revival, of reformation, of, of refreshing a coming together of all of these elements. And this is what we're asking for. And I do believe it is summed up in reformation. Not the reformation that we had before, necessary though it was, 
but a true reformation. A reformation that unites the bride of Christ and transforms our society. And I don't believe you can have true revival without there being a reformation, a uniting of the bride of Christ. The divisions have to end. I coined a phrase a little while ago, the closer you get to the front line of battle, the less your differences matter. And that's where we are today. We are at the front line of battle, I believe. And our differences, they need to bow the knee. I'm asking for a reformation, a uniting of the bride. Yes, that's what Ephesians 4 is all about until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That whole chapter is about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church, one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What on earth are you asking for? Revival, reformation, renaissance, outpouring, awakening, more encounters. What are you asking for? I want to challenge you. Dig back into your journals and your memories, even if you've only been a Christian a short period of time, and start to put these things together and realize that you've attained royalty. You've experienced all of these things for such a time as this. This moment when the earth is a little fragile, when the human race is a little fragile, and we get to cry out, revive us again, God. Revive us in the midst of the years. Pour out your spirit. Wake us up. May times of refreshing come. And it's my prayer for you that one by one you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll experience renewal. That you'll step into your anointing, into your calling, into your authority. You'll know that you are sent, sent to bring heaven to earth. And so I bless you today and I pray that your cry will get louder, your cry will get stronger, your cry will get clearer. What on earth are you asking for? Revival. It's revival time. It really is. And God has got us ready for such a time as this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.